Right, what is the crack everyone? Con here and you're very welcome to another week of Unplayable. It's mid-Jan and it's been a lovely little start to the golfing season. The players on both tours are easing themselves into life with events in Hawaii and Dubai. Imagine just chasing the sun like that. What a life. Um, joining me to talk all things golf this week is Cooper. Cooper, how are you getting on? All good, all good. Ready for another good week of golf. Um, so we had uh, a new event on the DP World Tour last week with uh, an invitational for 60 players in Dubai in what turned out to be a cracker of an event over the weekend. Um, Tommy Fleetwood beat Rory at the end of a, a brilliant round, uh, while Grayson Murray won on the, the PGA Tour in Hawaii. Um, wasn't the best field. But Murray is a very interesting winner because you might remember last year at a players' meeting for the PGA Tour, Grayson Murray started mouthing about Jay Monaghan and the framework agreement. And when he did, Rory came to Monaghan's defence, telling uh, Murray, he said, just play better, Grayson. And then Murray apparently called Rory to fuck off. Uh, but I don't think it was actually that big of a deal. But that's what I remember um, from it. But now, this week... Grayson wins and Rory loses, which I'm sure brought a, a nice little smile to Grayson Murray's face. But um, Cooper, we'll start with Fleetwood's win in Dubai. Give us your take. Yeah, it was um, for 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 so early in the year to get. Uh, I wouldn't say a major feel on a back nine, but as far as competitive golf goes, it was absolutely brilliant to watch. Um, it was obviously Rory and Fleetwood kind of locking horns at the top, but uh, Lawrence was there on the on the scene as well and felt like he was holding everything all day from every kind of distance uh, just to just to stay in, uh, stay in kind of the hunt, which again shows how well Rory and Tommy were actually playing to distance themselves from the field. Uh, might be an indication that his ball striking wasn't too good, leaving himself essentially 20, 30 footers to hold on practically every green, but um still gave him a good run and like was leader in the clubhouse and at, at one stage it looked like a three-way playoff uh after rory duck hooked one into into the water in 18 but <clears throat> we'll get there in a second um yeah it's i think it all started as was a 13 or 14 and mcroy absolutely singes one in to two feet to pull ahead on his own and I own the only camera angle I've seen of it is from kind of behind. So you don't really get a good look at was it on a much of a slope? Was was there anything to it, or was it just a straight up push? And like there is people saying it was two feet. I think it was officially three feet. Like so, it's not it's not a complete gimme, but it's uh, it should be it should be fairly straightforward for the likes of Rory McIlroy and. Stands up over a birdie chance, rattles it by, obviously went for the centre of the cup and just something was off. Leaves himself a six-footer, pulls it three-putt out of absolutely nowhere and suddenly he's gone from a putt to go ahead to one behind. And classic Rory McIlroy then battles back because the damage wasn't done too late at that time. And they got to the par three um, and Fleetwood made a really silly error. Uh, kind of went... Went kind of long right just off the back was a bit unlucky rory was in there about 12 feet for birdie and he had like a, a maybe maybe he thought it was over and he had to go for it but he had a really really aggressive chip i think it was 16 and rushed it like way way past nearly degreened it and missed the one back obviously <clears throat> but i just think if, if if tommy had lost the tournament and he's looking back at that chip he's like what the fuck was i doing um but 
<clears throat> somehow manages to, to muster up two unbelievable birdies to finish and Rory, as we all saw, just... I, I don't even know what to really describe it as because he'd been absolutely striping it down 18 all week. There was videos from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of him just completely mincing the middle of that fairway. It, it, kind of, by the looks of all the players and the flight of all their trajectories from uh, from from the guys going through before, like it's just a nearly a stinger. Just bang it down the middle, just keep it and fucking play. And you'll probably have about what's that, one one forty. Don't need to absolutely let go at it. And yeah, he just snap hook. It 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 just for for someone for someone as good as Rory is in that position, you really want them to be a bit of a killer and put it to bed. And to start off a season here where he's kind of trying to play more golf to wind up so that he's completely fucking ready for action in in April and the Masters. It's definitely not a, it's definitely not um the, the way he'd like to finish out the first week. But to be fair to Tommy, um like he went and did it. He went and birdied the last two. He he won the tournament. He wasn't gifted it by Rory by any means, even if it kind of seemed like it at the time with the with fault on 18. But amazing put to finish and absolutely delighted for him. Like first, he didn't have a win in 2023, and like for Tommy Fleetwood's um, guy, who was inspirational in the in the Ryder Cup, and it's been knocking on the door in multiple occasions, including majors. It uh, it was a bit of a drought for him, and to see him get it over the line, yeah, just absolutely delighted for him. But I think the <clears throat> the kind of overarching theme of the the reviews is what what the fuck is that, Rory? Like how how did you how did you manage that? But um, no, it's uh, I, I have a sneaky suspicion he's going to do a classic Rory McIlroy bottle job and then follow it up with a win, and it's only gone down the road. So it would uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him absolutely blitz the field this week to kind of basically like fucking double bogey in a hole and then absolutely ripping the driver on the next. It's I'd say I, I'd say McIlroy might be trying to do just that. Yeah, the. Like I would, I would think about this in in two parts. Like obviously the Fleetwood thing is great, and I'm delighted for Fleetwood. He deserves to have won. He's such a good player, such a likable fella. I think everyone loves him. Even Rory was delighted for him afterwards, and uh, he's definitely a guy who should win more. He's been on the wrong side of um, like majors, even with with Larry beating him in Port Rush and and all that stuff. So very happy for Tommy, and he showed great ball. He just stuck around the the whole day, and that back nine waiting for a slip up to happen, which can't happen in golf. It looked like Rory was going to steamroll him and then Tommy just took around and then went birdie birdie in the finish and then like, oh, I've won, which is brilliant. Delighted for him. But it can happen, Rory, but Jesus, you're just thinking fucking McIlroy, it's a, a par, par to win. Like you're it's absolutely like, mental. The the Rory thing, I think these events in like Dubai like this and even this week upcoming, they're just set up for Rory. He rocks into town. He's the big dog. He's like, this is mine. I'm going to just blow away the field. And he is just better than everyone else. And like he probably would have won hands down. He made that quad in the second round uh, on uh, whatever hole, the eighth hole or something like that. And a couple of water balls, that three put on the 14th that you mentioned. There was loads that he could have just blew away the field here. But I think... It was so surprising that Tommy ended up winning because the momentum was completely with Rory on that back nine. Like he was so good, so dominant, shoulders back. It's the Rory McIlroy that you absolutely love to see. And like, um, I was just expecting him to cruise over the line and and and, and get it done. Um, and then the 18th was very strange. In his interview afterwards, he said that he tried to hit the shot that he felt he should hit rather than the shot that he felt comfortable hitting, which I thought was an interesting one. I, and I, I don't know the details of what he meant. Like it was obviously a certain type of shot. Like he wanted to step up with the driver on 18 and basically just pound it up the middle and again, beat his chest and be like, I am top dog. And maybe in his mind, he's practicing for a moment where he stood on the AT&T in Augusta in April, where he needs to pull off a shot and pull off the shot under the gun and like you don't get that much time to practice you don't get any time really to practice under pressure like whatever about going out and, and playing like practice rounds with your mates like an event like this in dubai is almost like that for rory where 
doesn't really matter to his career if he wins or not. He's using it all as kind of training and gathering momentum, as you mentioned, to get ready for Augusta. But so on one hand, I think that's that's cool. You step up there, you're almost treating it like, okay, I'm going to try and hit the right shot here, uh, almost see if I can do it. But I don't think Tiger Woods would have ever done that. And I don't think people who just win would do that. Like, I always have a, um, my, my cousin is very, he's a very good golfer, plays off like three, but he's um, really big on just getting the ball in the hole, playing Padraig Harrington golf, where like, if you don't have your best stuff, just get the ball in the hole. And it's great. And that's how, how my cousin plays his golf. And I feel like that was a situation for Rory, where, as you say, play a stinger, play an iron up the middle. The only thing you can do there is just make a par and make Tommy come and beat you. Um, but he didn't. He tried to play play some shot, whatever shot it was, rather than just going to try and, and win the tournament. Um, no, you're so, right. Yeah. You're after completely changing my view on it. Because I, I, I was about to fucking go for poor Harry Diamond again there and say, just snap the driver on the tee and give him a three iron. Um, but yeah, like as you said, it, this career-wise has zero impact. Monetary-wise is, yeah, irrelevant. So it is a pressure clutch situation that you can't really recreate on the range. Go out there and try and perform the shot that you might need to look for in Augusta in a few weeks. So, yeah, no, I actually totally agree with that. And now I forgive him. Yeah, see, like, I'm split. Like, that that's kind of my... When I heard him um, in the interview afterwards, that was what was going through my mind. He said that he felt he, he wanted to hit the shot that he should hit rather than the shot he was comfortable hitting. And on one hand, I thought that was brave. Um, because if it's me on the 18th, I'm just shitting myself. I'm trying to just get the ball in play. Um, but yeah, like what, what would, what would Tiger have done? And I know it's not fair to compare it to Tiger, but like you just win the tournament at the same time. So, um, now if it, yeah. if it was Tiger, I, I just, I, I think Tiger operates on a, on a level there where he's not even considering shots he should play and shots that are safe. I'd say in the heyday, Stevie is just handing them club that gets the job done, especially when something's on the line, because like, that's how you, that's how you have a 90 plus percent win rate from 54 holes. Like you, you're ahead and you, you're, you're obviously you're, you're playing against a field, but you're, you're, you're up against a course here. And like, if there's a par four in front of you, water left and he, he's not immaculate off the tee. Like he obviously hits incredible distances, but it can hook or block out on him what's the stock shot like is it is it a little pokey three wood kind of carrying out around or rolling out 300 and leaving yourself 150 like if he is if he's trying to practice these clutch shots like i.e a drive under serious pressure okay it's hard to replicate in practice but if there is a shot like that in the masters again as an example like yeah you can you can whip out the driver on 18 and augusta under pressure and you can slice it around the corner, but is it not just a better shot to go back to that kind of stinger three wood and knock it up towards the bunker and leave mm. yourself a longer shot in? But that's the shot you're most comfortable with. So I, yeah, it's yeah, I, uh, you're definitely after changing my opinion because I was I was straight away like this is Harry Diamond's fault again. Like he's after <laughs> letting he's after letting him take out a driver and like. There's an entire fucking ocean on the left when it should really just be a three wood. He should put it on the green, two put, and force Tommy to get into a playoff. As opposed to in his own head, I presume, with a driver in, the only reason you're hitting a driver there instead of a three yarn or a three wood, whatever it is, is to get closer to the green. So you have a shorter shot in, so you have a better chance for birdie. But like it doesn't matter if you win by two or one. Like it's a very it's a relatively difficult hole. And Tommy had to first of all put it in play second of all stitch it onto a green and the pin was kind of stuck on the back there on a bit of a slope so any kind of a putt outside of six to eight feet was going to be a bit of break and a tricky green so you're statistically you're you should be forced and the other player and looking at the hole and saying yeah 
like if it's a, if it's a reachable par five and two, you're not playing for par. Like you can mm. assume a birdie and maybe even an eagle. Whereas here, it's like it's a it's a tricky par four with a tough tee shot. Like, and he'd watched Fleetwood hit as well. I don't know, did that have any impact on it? Um, yeah, just uh, oh, it's a it's a beautiful sport. Just fucking absolutely messes messes with your head at times and. Hopefully, like again, you'd look at it and say, right, at least, at the very least, you'll learn from it. Well, um, and look, this, that is the biggest thing with, with Rory. Like, you know, it's, for him, it is all about majors. And like this time last year, or like this week upcoming last year, was when he beat Patrick Reed in Dubai and he hold that great put on 18. And you kind of, I remember listening to a podcast from someone else uh, at that time. And them saying that like oh rory will have that in the back of his mind that when the pressure comes on that he can make that put and like he made the put against patrick reed and he won and that's great but then you know he had the chance in the us open against wyndham clark and he he didn't do it so it's just <laughs> how, many, how, many, how many practice runs do you need yeah like maybe maybe he's better off like what happened uh in 2011 when he bottled the masters and then he comes back in the us open clearly learns something and wins in his very next major maybe maybe that's the better thing maybe it's better he bottles it now and then he learns from it so when he's he's in that position one shot ahead on the at&t in augusta in a few weeks time where um yeah he, he's in a different spot yeah but, he just he's just uh he's playing the odds he doesn't want to be favored going into the masters he wants to be a bit of an underdog so he's on purpose losing tournaments now to to, to stay behind Scheffler in the odds. I know it is. It's 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 just a it's just a weird one because when when you think of the greats, like if the, if this was like Mito Pereira stuff, um, in majors like eighteen, nearly missing the ball on the tee, like when you think of guys like that, it's like oh the pressure got to him. It's like it it's not pressure to McIlroy. Like it can't be it can't be pressure because he's experienced so much more intense things than an opening season pro-am in Dubai. So it's not pressure. It's 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 clearly kind of a mental glitch where he lets a he lets a one of the most kind of harmful or not harmful but like shots with the highest degree of variance in terms of where the ball can end up. That's the one he's gone for. Like it's mm. as in like you mean vision making mean... kind of it, it completely it's it it really kind of baffled me. So I was watching it with dad and we were like, what the fuck is he after doing that for? Like, he just couldn't, couldn't believe of all the things. Like even, even if he takes out a tree iron and hits it 260, he's still got like 180 into the green. It's still a, less than 200. He was hitting seven irons into 192 par threes. So like he could literally hit a five iron and a seven iron, I'd say, and gotten onto the green and two put it. So yeah, it, and it can't be, well, I was going to say it can't be course management issue, but like, well, I think it is. I think that's that's what it is. It's, it's the decision he's made. What he's standing there on the AT and T. He's like, well, if we believe what he said in his interview afterwards, which is he's at his most raw and emotional, so he probably is the most truthful there. Is that he said I hit the shot that um, I felt I should have hit rather than what I was most comfortable hitting. That, yeah. On one hand, I'm just going to take, I, take your word for now and just say, yeah, fuck it. It's uh, it's all a, it's all a dress rehearsal for Augusta. He's putting himself under as much pressure as possible in these events that don't really matter. And when it does come to it, and he has some actual on-course decision making, he actually takes the percentage shots when he's one shot ahead in Augusta on 18 or on Sunday. But yeah, I guess we'll we'll have to figure that out, and hopefully he has a bit of fucking support on the bag to help him make the right decision when it actually matters. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and then just a, another word for Tommy. I know obviously we we have talked about him there, um, but are we are we bullish on on Mister Fleetwood this season? Like he's. He's so overdue for a major; it's ridiculous, and 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 usually it's it's not actually that he 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 kind of he, he throws them away. He he's gotten into contention in majors, and he's just been outplayed on Sunday while shooting kind of mid to low sixties. Like he's not was the U.S. Open a few years ago. He absolutely blitzed the back nine. Was it whistling straights? Maybe. And uh, um, I know the one you're talking about. 
But like he played unbelievable golf on the Sunday and just wasn't enough. Poor Rush was outplayed by Larry or kind of outthinked maybe. Um, but no, there's definitely there's there's one in him, and like straight away you have to think the open. Um in terms of what what he could do. He's he's never he's never really been a big name going into Augusta. Um he obviously he has kind of featured in some of the, the, the US majors as well. But if uh, if you're talking about Tommy for majors, you're you're either talking about one of those bets where it's is he going to win a major this year, which kind of covers you across across the board, or you're going to double down on one that he'd feel most comfortable in and it has to include wind and and kind of uh, linksy base so yeah he'd be he'd be very it's early doors yet this is the time of year when everyone and anyone is winning so um you'd have to take it with a pinch of salt but it's a it's a good sign and a nice way to kind of break a, a 12 month plus duck to mm. uh to get back in the winner circle yeah yeah looking at his um his major record here he's very good record where was, where was that where was that major again yeah, I think it was the 2017 one at Aaron Hills that you're talking about, or could oh, have been Hills, right? Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it could have been Finnecock as well. The year, uh, like 17 and 18 were around that time because he had a fourth and a second in 17 and 18. So those two years back to back at US Opens, he was very good. Um, and so the second was Aaron Hills. Yeah, 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 the, yeah. That was, that was inter- interchangeable. I can't remember which one was which, but yeah. Um. Okay, so that's Europe. Uh, last week PGA Tour uh, the field wasn't great but it was actually a very good finish I suppose when it's a playoff I, I love when it goes to a playoff and when it's tied at the end like that it's, it's always good but very ballsy finish from this guy Grayson Murray so he birdied the last to get into a playoff and then he holds a huge put in the playoff now there's a bit of a uh, a mini bottle job from this guy or from Ben Ann um, it's a short put. Um, but you could be forgiven if you didn't know that much about this guy, Grayson Murray. But he's a very interesting character. I'll give you a, a little bit of a backstory. So he's known historically to be a bit of quite an angry chap. Um, I didn't really know that much about him at all, apart from that little spat he had with Rory at that players' meeting. Um, but I was doing some research on him over the last few days, knowing that we had the podcast. Um, today so the pga tour put him on probation three years ago after an incident in a hotel bar in hawaii now i don't know the the details of that incident and regardless we, we, we don't need to speculate but after that incident he tweeted saying why was i drunk because i'm a fucking alcoholic that hates everything to do with pga tour life and that's my scapegoat he then accused the PGA Tour of not giving him proper help, where and the the tour denied that. But um, it's very interesting to see guys like that. And, and fair play to him, he really seems to have turned things around. Um, but you know, you you look at PGA Tour and professional golf, and it seems like it's just the dream job for anyone even remotely interested in golf. And I'm sure for some of the guys, it absolutely is. But clearly there's this group of players and Chris Kirk obviously had the, he won last week as well in century. And he had the, the, um, the issue with alcohol in the past as well. But that for some of these guys, life on tour isn't all that, that groovy and all that, that happy. Yeah, like it, it's 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 easy for us to <clears throat> to say, Jesus, getting up in the morning and thinking and playing about golf, dream. But when you and the PGA Tour is probably slightly better than the DP World Tour. But if you remove yourself from these guys making cuts every week, top twenties every week, big checks every week, it, like the the, the, the Grayson Murray's, and and you actually have to remember, like this this fella. I think he I think he actually played in the Corn Ferry Tour event and made the cut when he was 16. And he was actually involved in a US Open in 2013. I think it was at Marion, the one Rose one. Mm. When he was 19. Like this lad is a is a freak. Um unbe- unbelievable player. I think he's what 30 now. 
and like he as far as kind of guys coming up through the ranks it's like this fella is going to be fucking unbelievable and obviously hasn't just hasn't lived up to that kind of reputation and is one of those guys who is trying to make cuts every week not trying to win tournaments and now like obviously he's gotten the invite to augusta he's he's on he's on cloud nine but on on any on any normal year and like it's been it's been a long time going through these kind of patchy years well not patchy years but fighting for your life to stay on tour the 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 traveling every week the missing cuts leaving leaving town on a friday trying to get sorted to move to the next place next week like living out of hotels living out of travel bags eating alone at restaurants um wife and kids at home can't afford to send them out to every tournament because you're just not making not making enough cuts i'd say it's a it's an incredibly lonely place when you're not playing well when you're on song i'd say it's the best job in the world hands down just goes out you go out every week it's purely natural to you well sorry you obviously put in unbelievable amount of work as well but the the actual making cuts competing is a different mindset you're 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 primed to kind of think about winning tournaments instead of fucking hell if i if i don't make this cut now i'm after wasting 15 grand on flights accommodation and everything for for this week to get out here to play and like it is it's 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 it must be very very tough and when you are in those kind of hotel bars on your own traveling essentially for work like in the evening it's like what do i do i'm after practicing all day playing all day do i do i go go to the cinema and watch a movie do i go in and have a drink i'd say for the guys who are kind of struggling with demons it's it's a very easy option to just go down to the bar and knock a few back and have a sit down and a think and it obviously i'd say for like with the we obviously talked about chris kirk last week and grace murray this week but i'd say it's far more prevalent than you think in terms mm. of having to um actually balance balance their lives when they're not in the top i'd even go as far as say top 10 percent of uh of mm. pro golf because it's yeah it's not it's not easy and the guys at the top make it look so easy that we forget that's why the corn ferry tour exists why cut competitions are so important and like why the, the battle for the tour cards at the end of the year is 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 literally uh, lads fighting for their life yeah it's this this may sound ridiculous but i remember like when i was playing like boys events and like i'm clearly nowhere near this level but you would have been playing in these similar events as well and like i was say a five handicap at like 18 i remember going off to play like ulster boys or munster boys or whatever yeah and like (laughs) i because i was probably like amongst the worst lads in the field i found it unbelievably stressful like i went and um went to these events and i actually didn't really enjoy them myself at all and there's obviously no actual pressure every pressure every bit of pressure that i felt was purely manufactured in my own head but like because i was just trying like i would shoot like I don't know a couple of 79s and not make the cut i i you'd have to shoot a couple of 76s and make the cut and i i was stressing so much to try to do that but i remember when i went and played in those events and it's like just a a, a a tiny tiny glimpse into what those the actual lads in the pga tour do like i i wouldn't say i hated it because i was still playing golf but i didn't enjoy playing those events probably because i just wasn't good enough to be there what i wasn't thinking of winning i was just trying to make a cut and couldn't make a cut you know but i don't know like you went and played those events as well did you feel anything at all yeah like no 100 sure i was the same i think i was off at four um and me and ben reynolds would travel up or one of the parents would bring us up or rob Carr and just fucking try and try and make cuts because we were like as in yeah sure we were what was the the cut for them was probably what six seven we were off kind of four or five so like it was you were in the you were you're in the bottom half um but the 
that Malone one actually that you played in as well, we I, I'll never forget the 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 one glimpse I had into geez, I'm gonna make it as a pro was was that week. <laughs> what, what did you uh, shoot? I think I opened with a I was out, out in the morning half in Malone and shot a 73 and was on top of the leaderboard for the first half of the day. And I was like, fucking hell, there's the name. It's game oh, over for baby, we did it. Fucking, we fucking made it. Uh, the afternoon lads went out then and blitzed me. But I still, uh, I think I shot 73, 74, 75, 76. Um, wow. And 74 actually got me. I think it was 11th going into after making the cut. And the, it's a, was the 36 hole finish then? I think on the Sunday. But I, I wouldn't know. A, it. Yeah. It was a 36 hole finish and I'd come off the course a bit pissed off at the 75. And I think I dropped down to like, I don't know, 14th or something. But at the half time, uh, between the 36 holes, you go in for just a soup and a sandwich. And like the likes of Alan Larry and Jack Hume and like the, the big dogs up. back then, they were all just sitting in a in their group just chatting because this is what fucking happens every week because they're the guys who always make the cut. And me, one of the kind of rejects in there, like, who the fuck is this lad? Just <laughs> trying, to, trying to find somewhere to sit because I didn't know anyone. Like, as in the, the likes of kind of you or, or Ben or Rob, like everyone had missed the cut that I actually knew. So I was literally just one of these kind of outcasts lads who just came off the corn ferry tour that no one knows anything about at a pga tour event to try to try to try to enjoy the 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 how the other half live but it was it was interesting because it is it's 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 the same kind of thing those lads who are what they might they might even been plus then but like say the scratch and plus handicappers like they they were just expecting to be there and to be fair handicap wise it indicated that they should be there but they had all their kind of clicks and they knew each other and the families all knew each other because they're yeah, the lads from being like on Irish panels and like yeah. whatever. Mm. And then there was just us us suckers making up the numbers. But no, it's literally uh, those, that's those, how events, I felt. those events were 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 brilliant. Um yeah, and Malone was an absolutely beautiful track as well. But yeah, I went to went to a good few of them, like didn't didn't do anything. I think that was that was my fucking under 18 claim to fame. Um on the on the Irish boys circuit but it is it's it, and there's obviously some incredible golfers that have that have come out of that but yeah it's uh it's it, it's a uh, as you said it's a it, there's a strange comparison to be made there to the PGA Tour and I'd say every junior golf mid-arm golf fucking championship it's 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 all the same there's there's the guys who are there and they kind of know they're meant to be there mm. and they expect to be there and making the cut is no big deal to them. And then there's lads there who are like, this is a really big goal of mine to make the cut here. And even though there's no money on the line, it's a total mental thing. And I'd say mentally, mm. even though the stakes are completely different, uh, I'd say the emotions and the, the chemicals running through your brain aren't a million miles off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad you, agree and, and feel the same because that's just how i felt and again we're we're obviously worlds apart from what these guys are at but as you say the, the human emotion side of it is probably pretty similar and uh even though i was only a young lad there i could i could see how you turn to the drink in that type of scenario <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and 16, actually, on, 16 17 yeah, years yeah. old oh jesus double whiskey there powder yeah uh, and on on that point, actually, with the alcohol, so just the Grayson Murray thing, he was asked in his press conference afterwards the other day um, about the alcohol because he, he was like an, an alcoholic, self admitted, and he's cleaned himself up now. But um, when he won, he won on the PGA Tour in his rookie season, and he was asked, "Were you drinking that week? Like, would you drink in in tournament weeks?" And he said, "Yes, that week that he won." He was hung over every day that he played and he went and won the tournament and he said it was the worst thing that could have happened to him because he went um he obviously thought to himself i'm so good i can drink the night before and still win on the pga tour and then you know that was it's like a, it's like a gambler who wins their first time 
gambling and they think that the whole thing is easy and it becomes like addictive hot, or whatever. The hot shot uh, fallacy. Straight out of straight out of the big shores. If it'll keep it'll keep happening. Um yeah, like it is even even the um the the turning point for him, um I don't know what tournament it was at, it could have been the Byron Nelson, but the he he said he I think he was out the night before, he was like uh, playing with his mates and he was hung over and he got up the next morning he just said he just used the word alcohol but he chugged some alcohol before the round and shot like an 80 and then he had an anxiety attack that lasted for four days and he was like that's it like that that's i never want to feel like that again so really to be fair so that was to be fair it obviously was a fairly shocking or traumatic experience but um it, it sounds like he he kind of found the light and said fuck that never again so hopefully, mm. hopefully it is a, a turning point for him, and he he can go on and I guess uh, fulfill the potential that he showed when he was in his, when he was in his teens and in his rookie mm. years. He said he's a fucking phenomenal talent, but um, yeah, it'd be it'd be nice to see him now kick on from this. Yeah, it would. It would. I'll keep an eye out for him because, uh, as I said, every the only little glimpses that I had of him was, was that he was this little angry man, and I kind of just. Had him as that in the back of my mind, but then when I watched him in the press conference afterwards, he seemed very put together and very humble, and the complete opposite of the impression that I had from him. And look, he had just won, so he's going to be in a pretty good mood and pretty positive. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I think I will actually pay attention to Grayson Murray over the next uh, while. See what happens. Um. Okay, few other bits next. We'll get on to the events that are happening this week, but just first, so. You and I were chatting just before we recorded. Um, the head of the PIF, Mr. Al Rumiyan, is got himself into a spot of bother. Um, uh, he is apparently being sued for allegedly having carried out the instructions of the Saudi Arabian Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, MBS as he's known with the malicious intent of harming, silencing, and ultimately destroying the family of Saudi Arabia's former intelligence chief, Dr. Said. Uh, I won't even try to pronounce the second name. But basically, our boy, who's head of the PIF, unsurprisingly, has got some sort of controversy. Um, I That's literally the extent of my knowledge. Do you any, Do you know anything more than that about it? Yeah, so Al Jabri is the <clears throat> the guy who's um, bringing it forward, and like, so <clears throat> that guy is <clears throat> he's basically counterintelligence for the U.S. government, or sorry, whether he officially is or he or he has just done work for them in the past, but like he's he's been quoted by like the CIA to say he saved American lives for helping prevent terrorist attacks um this is the guy who al rumian was trying to silence yeah al jabri um like dr al jabri i yeah again i'm i'm gonna butcher his name if i say it but the the guy who's the guy who's basically bringing it forward and like he's gone as far as to kind of help the u.s government identify uh bombs that are on the way to the states and like he's done he's done quite a bit of work um for them uh, this was obviously then found out, and apparently, again, this is all just kind of popping up in an athletic article. Uh, six guys flew to Canada uh, from Saudi, um, basically to to take him out, and they didn't get past customs. But again, it's probably not the first attempt on his life, and now, as per the article. Uh, Yasir seems to have been involved in these threats or these kind of moves against him. And that's what the, like, it's all alleged. It's all um, kind of just in these court documents and in the athletic article. But yeah, some in some way, shape or form, Yasir has been on behalf of MBS or the, the Saudi prince trying to keep the slag quiet or, or, or put keep them quiet for for good, and yeah, there's there's 
allegations of kind of kidnapping his or threats against his family, kidnapping his son-in-law. Like it's it's absolutely bonkers. And of course now, whether you're a, a Newcastle fan or or anyway kind of uh in tune with the with the PIF live PGA takeover, it's yeah, it's 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 pretty it's pretty mental. But again, allegations. So let's uh, let's let's wait to hear. Again, similar to uh, to the PGA PIF uh, merger. Let's maybe hang on uh, instead of just speculating. But the 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 documents are absolutely absolutely bananas. Like if this was a movie, you'd say, "Ah, oh, this is a bit far fetched, lads." <laughs> yeah, it's not. As I said, it's not surprising that this guy head of the PIF obviously he's got the background that he does is involved in this type of stuff um but yeah as you say we won't speculate too much i i know very little about it i just saw some headlines earlier tried to read a little bit about it but it seemed but the 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 only the only uh uh well a different a different viewpoint now is right well jay monon is currently over from meeting him (laughs) so he's literally literally in in uh in the uae or in saudi i'm not sure exactly where they're 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 meeting it probably is in dubai at the event um but yeah they're they're sitting down this week to have a cup of tea and jay is reading these articles that your man has threatened to have people killed and kidnapped so i'd say he's uh quite uncomfortable wherever he's sitting but, jay's name jay fucking jay but he uh the the only the only golf relevant um implication of this obviously if the fucking allegations are true <laughs> it's, it's fairly uh fairly uh damning fairly yeah damning is probably the perfect word uh but if you're looking at it from a negotiation standpoint now um i'd say uh yasir would have loved for this all to be over uh in december when the actual initial cutoff was because if anything it kind of either tells the pga tour and the the investors on behalf of the pga tour what the fuck are we doing here lads like we we can't do this or if they still want to go ahead with it it might give them a stronger hand in negotiations but it's uh it's definitely after negating any uh any momentum that the john ram deal has uh has brought on the kind of side of the pif or or live but um yeah going to be an interesting uh, few weeks to follow and see what mm. what what actually materializes from it yeah this guy seems to have his hand in so many different pies that like i wonder if the reason that the negotiation slipped is because this guy's just too bloody busy like with the article that i was reading was talking about how he's like the owner of newcastle which you'd almost forget and all these other sporting events that they've got like golf when he wakes up in the morning i'd say golf is the 10th thing on his list of agenda where jay monaghan it's top of mind for him so yeah but yeah but even like as in for for like as far as the actual volume of fucking cash he's in control of like it's 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 just monumental and it, it has to you have to kind of dial it back and as you said all the things he's involved in like his budget it is absolutely not based on uh return on investment it's based on image and brand so how much money do you need to spend to basically improve the image of the i guess saudi and like it, yeah. it's, it's kind well, of irrelevant to how, how much he has to deploy but when you see newcastle fans chanting his name the 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 boys back home must be like yeah great job keep it up and He's basically now in a room with Jay Monon negotiating a deal of which he can literally add a zero at the end and it won't affect their balance sheet. And basically say, Yeah, I want to be the chairman of golf. That's a great look. Um, the board will be happy with that, uh, regardless of how much money he has to throw at it. And yeah, it's oh fucking crazy. I thought we were done. I thought this would be over by December or by the end of December and oh, 2020. Concentrate on golf, it's- but not 
it's going to be around for a while. Um, but anyway, okay. we will concentrate on golf. Uh, and just quickly before we talk about this week, you see Moronk won the DP World Tour Player of the Year, selected by his peers. Um, yeah, it seems like everyone absolutely loves him. And I would also say there was a hint of, you poor bastard, you deserve to be on the Ryder Cup. Um, thrown in there as well. Yeah, Javier, Javier Ballesteros, Seve's son, uh, awarded it to him in Dubai there. So, unbelievable player. Like, I love, I think, I can't remember where I first really got to got to watch him, but his win at the Irish Open, I think, made a, a lot of people think, geez, this lad's actually pretty decent. Then, obviously, went on to Oz. So, he, um, he's, a, he's an absolutely quality player, and it'll be very cool to see how he does now. He topped the list of the PGA Tour cards from the DP World Tour last year, so... It'll be very interesting mm -hmm. to see how he mixes it up because he has he's he's played in the states a few times and hasn't done anything um which was probably one of the main factors to keep him off the Ryder cup team um but yeah it'll be hopefully hopefully he can kick on now and and really um do what he's been doing on the, on the dp world tour and translate that across the pond yeah uh, I, I was similar to your thing with the Irish Open. I saw him down in Melbourne here last year, and um, yeah, that when he won, yeah, 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 very good. Um, but right, so this week upcoming, we've got um, or there the proper Dubai event, we'll say the Dubai Desert Classic, decent field, Rory Fleetwood, and all back in action again. Um, it's from the golf course at. We all know when we talk about Dubai, it's the it's the uh, Emirates where you've got the the beautiful city skyline in the background that you'll see, um, and then PGA Tour is uh, on PGA West there, so they're they've left Hawaii and they're back onto the mainland for PGA Tour for the American Express. Um, what's catching your eye then in terms of picks and? and thoughts for the the couple of events this week yeah like as you said um the field is far more stacked uh on both sides of the water so uh, a few interesting ones like minwoo lee is in the states brian Harmon's in dubai uh, a few kind of ones you would have maybe swapped around but um i guess it doesn't matter where you play there's seven and a half million up for grabs in dubai anyway so it's basically a uh a kind of PGA Tour level event, money-wise. Um, but, yeah, McIlroy, Hatton, Fleetwood, Harmon, um, Moronk, kind of a, re a really good, really good kind of field. And then even when you go down a wee bit, uh, Cam Young, the high guards, like it's a decent a decent field in Dubai. But, again, it, you feel, you just feel like it's going to be Rory McIlroy coming off a, a bad mistake and he's going to be out for blood. So I think 11-4 to 4 for him is actually really good value. Sorry, it's shit value, but I just think he's gonna come this week. Was that Rory just cut out there? Yeah, Rory, like he's 11 to 4, and I said it was good value, but it's yeah, it's shit value, really. But I just feel like he's gonna come out like a bull, um, and try and absolutely blitz the place this week to, to make up for the mistake. Um, one interesting addition in the TP World Tour, uh, is uh, Walken Neiman. So the <clears throat> can't remember what the his live team name is, Torque, is it, or something stupid. Um he is basically playing this week for world ranking points because he thinks it's very disappointing that Liv doesn't get offered world ranking points. And you'd swear he would have thought about that before taking a bag of cash. But yeah, it's 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 interesting listening to him talk. Um aside from all the, the absolute bollocks that he's coming out with, he basically said he's he doesn't know how the players are going to react to him being there and he's just going to get in and out and try and earn some world ranking points so like that must be a very we were talking about lonely places earlier on um yeah. at golf events this must be uh, a factor of that for him if he's genuinely feeling like no one wants him there so it'd be interesting to see how, how he gets get on in? how do you get the invite <clears throat> i'm actually not sure um i just presume it's uh part of that deal where the the live players can play on the dp road tour and he obviously hit the criteria whether it's world ranking points or potential finishes uh high enough finishes in previous years maybe but yeah, yeah it's uh just 
like I used to love him, absolutely mad about him. And then he was one of the surprise uh, defections. So yeah, it's uh, probably not a not a very nice place to be. Um, but yeah, I think in, on Deep Euro Tour, I'm gonna stick with McRoy last week, like as in. I thought Danny McCarthy was going to do a job last week and it looked like he was on Sunday until he doubled and bogeyed in the space of three holes. But uh, <clears throat> thank God he didn't win because if McElroy had have lost the way he did, that double would have been fairly hard to swallow. But on the PJ Tour, uh, as you said, PJ West in California, um, the absolute certainty of a bet would have been Max Homa if he was in the field, Max California. But it is, it's it's a really... A really good field. Scotty Scheffler leading it, and then the likes of Cantley, Schaufler, JT, Tom Kim. Um, but I'm actually <clears throat> like it's a. I think we're looking forward. It's a bit of a birdie fest here. So week three of just pretty boring golf uh, in the US in terms of relatively easy courses and just lads going out and destroying the place. And Fino is thirty three to one, and as far as birdies per round, he tops the list here with six point three eight. So like he's making six birdies over nearly six and a half birdies uh per round at PJ West. So straight away you're thinking, right, it's gonna be at least twenty-six under par that's gonna win this. Uh <clears throat> well, sorry, not at least, but that's the kind of benchmark in terms of averages that Tony Fina is gonna come out. And if he can avoid bogeys, he obviously has a great chance. Um Cantley is close behind him as well, and nine to one, he's probably a good pick. But I'm gonna go with uh, Ricky Fowler uh surprisingly he's 40 to 1 and he's had a top 10 at this event before so he, he kind of he he does he does enjoy uh enjoy it around here and after his 24 out of 26 cuts last year uh the ricky of old is back and i just think if he can if he can kick on and really avoid bogeys and start attacking the course it, it could be uh it could be an interesting it could be an interesting kind of bet, especially at a at decent odds. So, yeah, I'm going to give Ricky a chance at 40s. For me, you mentioned him there, Minwoo Lee. I don't know if this week is going to be his week because, like, you, you obviously never know week to week, but I'm expecting big things from him this year at some point. So I kind of feel like I almost want to back him every week this week because I think he's going to do something big, and I will back him this week. He's... um. Like he's been down uh, around Australia playing um, kind of over December, I think even maybe January. No, just back in the last year. And he had a win down under here and he had a third down here too. He's, uh, I definitely expect Min Lee to do something big. Yeah, his record, his record on the DP World Tour last year was unbelievable. Like he just, he kept getting top five, top tens. Just couldn't, couldn't, uh, couldn't do it in the states. But you know, I totally agree with you. Yeah. So I, I'm going to back him. I'm looking at him about twenty-five to one ish. Um, and we'll see how we go. Um. So yeah, we'll leave it there. I reckon for the week. Um. Thank you everyone for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Um. And thank you, Cooper. And um. Yeah, we will chat to you next week. <laughs>